Hey guys, Grim Webster here. Welcome to What's Out There. This week, Tyler and I cover three amazing cases of reincarnation. So, sounds like we're both coming off of uh, kind of a rough week. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, let me see here. I've got three different cases on reincarnation. Um, I don't know if you've got any any special that you want to talk about, or do you just want me to go ahead and start? Uh, you can just go ahead and get get into it. The one that I wanted to do, you actually already had in there. Okay, I, I think I know which one you're talking about. So I'll probably go ahead and just uh, let you jump in with that one whenever you want. But uh, the first one that I found that I really liked was um, a lady named Hanan Mansoor. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. I'm usually not. But uh, she was born in Lebanon in the mid 1930s uh when she was married or when she was 20 she married a guy named Farouk um they had two daughters one was named Layla um when right after she had her second daughter they told her that she had a heart condition and that she shouldn't have any more children um so she went ahead and had another kid anyways and then ended up getting very sick uh, so she traveled to Richmond, Virginia for heart surgery, and right before the surgery, she tried to phone her daughter, Layla, um, but she couldn't get through, and she died of complications like a day after the surgery. So 10 days after that, um, a little girl named Suzanne was born, and Suzanne's mother said that shortly before the birth, she dreamed that she was going to have a baby girl. And that a woman came to her and kissed her and hugged her and said, I'm going to come to you. Um, so later when the woman saw the picture of Hanan, uh, she said it looked exactly like the woman in her dream. And so she had the baby, named it Suzanne, and about 16 months, the baby was playing with a phone. And she took the phone off the hook and started talking into it, saying, hello, Layla, over and over again. And, you know, nobody knew who Layla was at the time. Uh, but, you know, they thought it was weird. And then later, um, as she got older, she explained that Layla was one of her children and that her name was not Suzanne, but it was Hanan. And the family asked Hanan what? And Suzanne replied, my head is still small. Wait until it's bigger and I might tell you. Um, by the time she was two... She had mentioned the names of her other children, her husband, and the names of her parents and her brothers from uh, from the previous lifetime. There's about 13 names in all. And uh, so they tried to locate the, the people she was naming. And they made various uh, inquiries into towns where, where they were supposed to have lived. And when they heard about the case, you know, people would come and visit the little girl. And, you know, mostly at first everybody was skeptical, but, you know, as time went on, she kept saying things that um, really just seemed to fit. She met the relatives and the children and all that of 
from her previous life. And at about five years old, she would uh, she would call up the guy who I guess would have been her husband in the previous life. Uh, she would call him like three times a day, and she would go visit with him. And in the end, you know, the guy had decided that that really was his wife reincarnated as this little girl. And apparently they kept in touch for years and years after. And on the link I'm going to put up for this one, there's actually a picture, side-by-side picture, of the original woman and the uh, the girl grown up. And they have pretty similar facial features. And actually in all three of the stories that I've got here, it's um, it's the same. Each one has... There's there's a side by side comparison, and they're actually very similar looking. Um, have you ever heard of that sharing uh, sharing physical features? Yeah, it looks like with most of, most of the ones you've linked and most of the ones I've seen before that they actually do share a lot of similar facial features. And I uh, when when your listeners uh, see this, they they should definitely click on the on the link there and look at them because they do look really similar. They have a similar brow line. I think it's easier to look at because the pictures are flipped, so you can look at them upside down too. I think it's easier to look at the one that's upside down, and you can really notice how similar the features are in that one. Oh yeah, yeah. Like when I when I first saw them, I mean, I I actually, if you hover over the picture, it'll actually enlarge and give you a better uh, better look at it. And I was I was comparing the shape of the eyes and the nose and the mouth, and it's really, I mean, aside from just a, a few little things i mean obviously being a different person altogether i mean it's the the looks are pretty much right on yeah and in the older picture it looks like she's also got a lot of makeup on and all that on on the newer picture it also looks like she's not wearing as much makeup so that kind of changes the way that the face looks a little bit right and there's there is about uh well somewhere around 20 years difference between the pictures as well so i mean right. That's that's 20 years difference in technology. Also, the thing I wanted to do here is is find stories where it's not like everybody who says they were somebody else in a past life they always end up being like Napoleon or King Tut or Cleopatra or whatever. Yeah. And uh, and the three cases I've got they were just regular people. And you know, in this case, the lady she didn't do anything extraordinary at all. She you know, died from complications from heart surgery. I mean, you always hear the cases of of a little kid talking about, you know, oh, before I was born, this happened, or back when I was in heaven, or, you know, you, you hear uh, people talk about little kids saying stuff like that, but, I mean, really having, like, full-fledged memories is, is, is kind of amazing. Yeah, really something to think about, which is kind of hard for the Western world, world in general to think of. You know that that this is something that might be possible, right? I I know that there's there's actually a lot of um, there's a lot of cases of reincarnation that are reported um, in India and really in in more of the uh, the Buddhist cultures and the uh, Taoist cultures and um, a lot of the the Eastern religions in general have a lot of uh, reincarnation. And I think um, at one point Christianity actually did, but that at one that at some time was phased out, so it, it doesn't really uh, doesn't really fit anymore. 
it was actually pretty common once upon a time. And uh, I think it fell out of favor. And then in the Western world, at least it fell out of favor. But I think um, with the, the rise in popularity of uh, paganism and Wiccanism, it actually came back. And now you hear a little bit more about it um, from people who are, uh, who kind of follow a little closer to uh, the mystic side of things, I guess. Like, like you were saying before about how, you know, everybody who thinks they're reincarnated, a lot of people that do, it's they're linked more to more famous people. But I think that that might be more because, I mean, it's easier, it'd be easier to find a past life if that, if that previous life was somebody who was easy to research. You know, right? Like with this lady, if if her parents hadn't gone and looked at and you know followed up on what their kids said and didn't just think that their kid was just you know being a kid, they um, you know, they probably wouldn't have found this. You know, her husband and all that. Right. And I, I think that's the case with with all the ones that we're going to <clears throat> that we're going to discuss today that. You know, if it were if it wasn't for the parents or the loved ones and all that, you know, or just going back and really doing some deep research on your own, you wouldn't really be able to to realize it or find this out. Right, right. And um, I mean, a, a lot of times, you know, kids will say stuff like that, and the parents will be like, "Oh, that's that's funny. They've got such a good imagination," or you know, something like that. But I wonder if uh, if parents maybe listened a little closer when, when their kids started saying stuff like that and maybe tried to look into it. I, I wonder what they would find. Right. I yeah. mean, most of the time you dismiss stuff like that, like, oh, it's just a, just a figment of their imagination. Or, oh, they're, they're so creative. I mean, I remember when my son was like two, he used to stand in the same spot pretty much every day and, and, and talk to a spot on the wall. And, you know, I didn't know what was happening at the time. I I want to say I was I was into what I'm into now, but I, I wasn't such a, you know, I wasn't into it like I am. So right. I was just more like, oh, well, you know, he's a kid. Kids are kids. And, you know, my mom was convinced he was talking to a ghost or something. And, you know, for all I know, it could be, you know. But that was, well, he's 14 now, so that was about 12 years ago and you know it's 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 hard to say now but i mean what if i had uh what if i had looked a little closer you know what might i have found right yeah the next one though uh actually uh in 91 a guy named jeffrey keen uh was on vacation with his wife and they were looking at antiques and they stopped in sharpsburg maryland it was the site of uh, of a Civil War battle. And uh, even though Keen had never read a book on the Civil War, never really looked into it or cared, you know, he, he felt compelled to visit the battlefield. And uh, so he was walking through a field called Sunken Road, and uh, he felt a wave of grief and sadness and anger and all these strong emotions. And um, they really – it wiped him out, like, physically and mentally and emotionally – he felt like he had like run ten miles, and he was just completely drained. And uh, you know, he, he finally he made it back to his car, and 
back to his hotel and whatnot. And before they left the town, they visited the gift shop there at, at a Civil War uh, museum and they bought a magazine. And it was a magazine about that particular battle. And they bought it and he went home and he didn't even look at it. He just put it away for like a year. And um, finally he he found it again and dug it out and actually was reading through it. And all those emotions kind of washed back over him again. And uh, so as he was turning through the pages, he found a picture of General John Gordon. And the picture of the general was actually right on with uh, with Jeffrey Keene himself. So um, he kept reading and found out that uh, the general had nearly died after being shot multiple times at the exact same spot on the battleground that he uh, he had visited. So he, he started looking deeper into General Gordon's life, and he found a lot of different similarities between himself and Gordon. Uh, it, besides past life memories emerging, he also found that, you know, obviously they look the same. Uh, looks, height, eye color, birthmarks personality traits, um, even lifetime events were similar. They had similar writing styles and habits. And uh, actually, both men preferred to stand with their arms crossed. Both had similar taste in clothing. And about 15 years before all of this had happened, Keene had been having uh, severe pain in his jaw. And it had grown worse over time. And so much that he had to be driven to the emergency room and they ran a bunch of tests and they couldn't really find anything. And eventually the pain went away and vanished altogether. And uh, the pain had occurred on his 30th birthday. And 15 years later, after he had discovered all this stuff about General Gordon, he had found out that General Gordon had been wounded in the face at Sunken Road when he was 30 years old also. He was feeling the pain from a wound in a past life, I guess. And uh, uh, Jeffrey Keene had three markings uh, on his face in the same location where General Gordon had been wounded, right under the left eye on the forehead and uh, across the right cheek. Both men also had a star-shaped mark on their foreheads right above the left eye. Uh, there were similarities between Keene's writing style and General Gordon's. Um, in his later years, Gordon wrote a book about uh, the Civil War, and they actually used that book to do writing analysis and compare the writing styles of Keene and uh, Gordon. And they used similar writing styles and linguistic styles. The article says that Keene has demonstrated spontaneous awareness of details of Gordon's life without having learned them. Like when they went to a, a visitor center where artifacts of a Confederate surrender ceremony were housed. A print in the visitor center depicted the event complete with the flag used to surrender. And Keene knew right away that this was not the right flag and that the correct flag was actually displayed in a different part of the building. And when he questioned the staff, they verified that the flag in the print was actually from a later time and that he had correctly identified the authentic uh, flag. And so I guess now... Uh, Jeffrey Keene is actually a uh, – he's become a Civil War historian and actually does a lot of public speaking because of this. Right. Yeah, th this one is one that I like a lot too. The, the last one's the one that I, that I was really interested in. But this one, I mean, 
This guy had didn't have any idea about it until he was 45 years old, pretty much. Right. As he looks back over his life, he's noticing all these things that you know coincide. Yeah, I, I like this one because all the other ones they have uh, like shared memory, like people just know facts about stuff that happened in the past life without having to learn them and all that. But this guy actually, you know, aside from the uh, similar facial features, actually shared pain from specific events in one life to another and actually, you know, has wound marks that were, you know, in one life he was shot in the face and then in the second life, you know, he was just born with those marks. And I don't think I've... uh, I don't think I've seen another case like that. Right. And there's actually there's actually pictures on that site that you have up that um show the, some of the marks. Right, right. Yeah, there's um on the link for that one there's uh it, it does the side by side facial pictures and it also shows um close ups of the mark right above the left eye. So that that's um and once again you you're seeing um similarities between the two. And and really, it got me thinking, you know, this guy was he he was just leafing through a, a Civil War magazine and found a guy that looked exactly like him. And turns out it was him in another life. It, it kind of makes me want to, like, go scour the Internet for somebody who lived, you know, 30, 40 years ago that looked like me. And, you know, yeah. but then again, you know, I don't know, maybe I'd be afraid to find out who that person was. I mean. This guy had a Civil War general. That's kind of cool. But, you know, what if, you know, you go out and you find somebody that was you and it turns out that they were, I don't know, like a like a burglar or something, you know, something dumb or, you know, they were a bad person. I guess you uh, you don't hear about that. I guess maybe if somebody goes out and finds somebody like that, then they just say, oh, well, I was Cleopatra. Yeah. <laughs> All right, the third one we got here is uh, a little boy named James Leininger. And he was born in 1998 to Bruce and Andrea while they were living in the San Francisco Bay Area. The father was offered a job as a human resource director for an oil industry company, and they moved to Lafayette, Louisiana, and that's where James grew up. After turning two years old, James started to experience vivid nightmares that would make him scream uh, in the middle of the night. Um, in 2000, when James was just a little older than two, uh, his mother heard his son's voice uh, screaming in the night, airplane crash, please, or plane on fire, little man can't get out. Or His mother ran to the bedroom and saw him struggling, said he was lying there on his back, kicking and clawing on the covers like he was trying to kick his way out of a coffin. Uh, the same nightmare kept recurring four to five times a week. Another nightmare, she noted, he was lying there on his back, kicking and clawing on the covers like he was trapped in a plane, and he was crying out, airplane crash, plane on fire, little man can't get... And uh, when his mother asked who, he replied, me. And so his father asked, you know, well, who shot his plane down? And he said, the Japanese. When they asked who, and he knew that it was the Japanese, they asked him how he knew it was the Japanese. And he replied, the big red sun. So they were... Both impressed and puzzled, obviously, that he would have this information or this knowledge of, you know, Japanese World War II aircraft and that, you know, they knew he didn't get it from like watching TV or anything like that. So when his parents asked for uh, 
as for names of people in the nightmares, he stated that he had a friend who was also a pilot whose name was Jack Larson. So eventually the mother and father would learn that James Huston was their little James past life persona. And he did know a Jack Larson. And eventually little James would go on to meet Jack, uh, who he had known in the past life. Little James would draw pictures of battle scenes and it would feature propellered planes and bombs exploding and, you know, propellers coming off and stuff like that. And he would always sign his pictures, James three. He would give his GI Joe dolls names like Billy and Leon and Walter and, you know, names that he wouldn't know. None of his friends had none of his parents said those names because they didn't know anybody with those names. And um, when the father asked one time why he called the dolls, these names, he answered because that's who he met in heaven. The mother was into the whole reincarnation thing and she believed and, you know, was, was on board with it. The father had a little harder time accepting it, but uh, eventually he found, he found a reunion. It was the first Natoma Bay reunion and Natoma Bay had actually, had actually been a part of World War II. And uh, so he found this reunion in San Diego and he took, uh, he took little James to the reunion and uh, at the reunion, he learned that 18 aircraft carrier pilots from Natoma Bay had died during service in the Pacific. And one of them was named James Huston Jr. He was talking about his nightmares about mm-hmm. Jack Larson. And he, um, we ended up meeting later on in life. Yeah, yeah. It, it says that um, as he was at this memorial uh, reunion that, that um, you know, he he recognized a lot of the a lot of the people there, but he was really sad because they were all, you know, he said they were, they were all old and it was making him sad because he didn't remember them like that. He remembered them as, uh, as the young guys that he had served with. I mean, that, that case there, that's, that, that's another, I, I think that's probably the, uh, the most famous one recently, I guess, I guess because of the, all the verifiable stuff, you know, people are still around and can, you know, could be asked, at least at the time. Um, what are your thoughts on it? I remember reading about this this kid on uh, Reddit a while ago. Um, somebody, you know, there's a thread about him, and somebody came on and said that he was his neighbor for a little while. So he was a perfectly normal kid. He just knew a lot about aviation. You know, he said he came from a pretty normal family and all that. So I mean, it's not like. You know, they're, like, trying to make stuff up or anything. But he's, you know, they, he said they used to wrestle a lot and all that. You know, and that he was always a really athletic kid and that uh, he wanted to go into the into the military later on in his life. So, I mean, that all kind of falls into, you know, his past right. life there. This one, I, I think, is really interesting because when was this um, kid born? 98. Uh, yeah. 98, which makes him you know, 15, 16 years old right now. That's, I mean, he's definitely still around. Right. You know? And and just the fact that he got to go and, you know, they got to meet the people that, that he had talked about with, you know, without ever really knowing them before and, and just right. being able to confirm all of the stuff he said that it really does. It, it adds a lot of, um, a lot of credibility to the idea of reincarnation. Yeah, and um, I, I think this one's really interesting because it's still unfolding. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, there's just more things that can come out of this. And I think um, on this one also, there's um, 
there's side by side pictures. And obviously, there it, it's it's of him as a little kid and uh, of past life him as a little kid as well because, you know, he he's still technically a kid. But I, I mean, the the kids' yeah. pictures are also really similar. I mean, that's that seems to be a common theme that you come across, like in in the better in the better cases, you know, the ones where they're not somebody famous, then they have the the memories and then they have physical similarities. Yeah, I think it's cool that he talked to his past life sister and the sister was so convinced that she sent him all his right, old war yeah, stuff. Right, yeah, yeah. A uh, bust and some some airplane stuff and yeah, just just the fact that it, like this one and the the first case that I did where they actually got to meet the people that knew about and in both cases, you know, they were absolutely convinced that that was them. Right, yeah. And that actually reminds me of another case. I think we uh I think we talked about it once before sometime. And I didn't I didn't really look it up. Um that there was a lady who uh who had memories of um another life and all that and she actually went and tracked down the children from her other life and you know she was like right. I don't know, 20 or 30 or so. And when she tracked down her children, they were actually up in their like 70s and 80s. And when when she found yeah. them, she explained everything. And they actually, you know, they accepted her also. Like, you know, th- like they believed that she was their mom reincarnated. Yeah. I think that the woman claimed that she had drowned in her past life. Yeah, that that sounds right. These are all really interesting. And I mean, it. It's challenging to the beliefs of many traditional Christians to believe this, but I mean, logically, logically, you think that you know, how could that happen? But you know, there's a there's a lot that we don't know about, right? Know, and uh, you know about even, I guess, um, if you go to uh, if you look at physics, though, even it says that you know energy cannot be created or destroyed, just displaced so i i mean it it makes sense that you know i mean physically we are electrical impulses and energy and all that so you know when we die where does that go if it can't be destroyed and it has to go somewhere else so i guess it it would kind of make sense that you know it it would be recycled maybe into another person right yeah and i mean it's kind of interesting too that we're looking at differences of you know, over a hundred years of ten days of you know. Right. This last one's like eighty yeah, years. Yeah. You're not quite that long. About fifty-five yeah. years. It's. I mean, it, it's just kind of. It could be any amount of time. It seems like that somebody could be reincarnated. I mean, from that one lady that came across ten days later. Right. To, yeah. You know, the guy from the Civil War. Yeah, I wonder how that all happens. Yeah. Well, my my here's the thing though. Um, I mean, knowing people that I do know, there's a guy that is convinced that he's known my wife in a past life. Like they they're really close, like brother and sister. And yeah. you know, he's convinced that they keep being reincarnated together in some form, brother and sister or father and daughter, something like that, just over and over and over again. I've heard that, you know, people generally, I don't know if you want to use the word souls or whatever, but the, they'll reincarnate in, in in groups more or less, or they always, 
come into contact with each other at certain points of time, kind of like families, but not not strictly families in the way that we know. And yeah. what do you think about that? Do you think people uh, reincarnate together like that? Uh, I mean, that's definitely not the first time I've heard about it. I've heard about that before. And um, actually, I think in the in the the guy uh, Jeff Keen. He he thinks that some of the guys, because he's a firefighter, he thinks that some of the guys underneath him were underneath John B. Gordon re, and were reincarnated that way. But, I mean, it's you'd have to have a pretty strong connection, I think, to continue to be reincarnated together right. like that. Because I think it would involve, you know, you know, talking about souls. I think it involve both of your souls to decide to come back. Right. Uh, also, I think um, have have you heard the idea that you reincarnate in order to learn a lesson and that you, uh, you right. know, b- before you reincarnate, you, you choose, you know, what you're going to do, what you're there for, what life you're going to have. And then, you know, when you come into that life, it you, you, you don't know why you're there, but you've, you've made that choice before you went there. And I don't know, a- yeah. after a while it gets kind of, uh, kind of convoluted and confusing, but, but more or less, you know, I hear all the time that, we reincarnate to learn a lesson, and then you know, once we've once we've learned all the lessons we need to learn, we we go to a different plane of existence, or we go off and do something else. You know, and I know there's there's a lot of different uh, a lot of different ideas out there, but I know a lot of them are um, a lot of them are based on religion, and it's it's kind of funny that a lot of religions say more or less the same thing when it comes to. Uh, when it comes to reincarnation. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the Taoists, Buddhists, Hinduism, all that, I mean, they all pretty much line up in that aspect. Right. And even, you know, even Scientology, which <laughs> I really don't know what to think about Scientology. And, you know, I mean, it, it was created by a sci-fi author. But, um, I mean, yeah. even in Scientology, they believe that that people are um, basically reincarnated alien spirits of some form or another. I, I think I got that right. But, uh, I mean, you know, even Scientology's got reincarnation. And, and it just seems kind of like um, like maybe Christianity is really the one that doesn't. But, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I guess at one point they, they must have. I mean, if you look uh, – I guess if you look at the resurrection, that that's almost like reincarnation. Yeah. Yeah, it is true. But uh, you know, it's it's just one of those things that we'll never know about until, I guess, until right. it happens. And then if it is true, then we'll forget about it again. Right? Happens. Yeah, it, it just seems like there's no uh, there there's no real way to prove it, uh, aside from you know what we have here, where you know people just have memories. You know, kids are born knowing things that they probably shouldn't know. You know, but I mean, yeah. really. There, there. I guess there's no real, uh, no real scientific way to prove it. It's. I mean, that's the thing, right now, is you'll prove it. I mean, that's that's what keeps going back and forth. Like, if you prove this, I'll believe in it. Right. That. Yeah. And, well, I'm. I guess now, in even, what, fifty years ago, it was a lot easier to believe in things that, you know, you didn't see with, with your eyes. But I guess, you know, the more we evolve and technology evolves and the further we go down that path it, it's more like you know i i can't believe it unless i see it you know pictures or it didn't happen you know 
Yeah. Somebody sees a ghost, and the first thing anybody asks is, "Well, why didn't you get a picture?" About it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's just you know, it, it used to be so yeah. easy to believe in things, and then you know, any any more, you just, I don't know. Even when you see something, you can't really believe in it because people are so good at faking things now because technology is so good. And somebody there's there's a new Bigfoot video like every week, and you, you can't believe any of them because the technology has just gotten so good that you could fake it really well. Yeah, yeah, it's like some people get on there. I know there's one guy in the paranormal thread on sub on the on Reddit who will get on there to almost anything that's reoccurring. Go set up a camera, and I guarantee it will stop happening. And I see that. I always see that. I'm like, well, no, not really, because if you do catch something on camera, what are you going to do with it? Put it on YouTube, right? Or, some, you know, something like that. And then people are just going to go there and call you a liar. And right. And fake. and the more you yeah. the more you argue that it's not fake, the more fake it looks, because everybody who's really trying to push the fake stuff always puts, you know, in big capital letters on their video, you know, this is real or no joke or, you know, I wonder how much makes it on YouTube that's actually real and that just gets completely overlooked because of all the fake stuff crowding it out. Right, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Maybe maybe they should, uh, maybe somebody should make a website just, uh, you know, go through this stuff, you know, a place where people who have real sightings or real issues can go and post you know, if somebody catches a ghost on film, they can go and post it. But then again, I guess you know, you would still just get a bunch of people trying to fake stuff there. So it wouldn't any wouldn't be any better than YouTube, I guess. Yeah, that's what um the paranormal subreddit on, you know, on Reddit's supposed right. to be all about. Yeah, I, so. I go through that sometimes, just reading other people's stories, and you know, some of them I'm like, oh my god, that that's awesome. And other ones, I was like, ah, I, I, that, that, I mean, it's still cool, but it's, it's almost too cool to be real. Right. But I mean, you know, some of the stuff I want to like contact these people, and be like, why aren't you, why aren't you writing? You should, you should be published by now. <laughs> right. Yeah. There's some really good, uh, some really good stuff to work with out there. Yeah. You know, the, I mean, it's all head and mess too. Like sometimes, like if I'm writing about something that happened to me. I'll have to dumb down my writing a little bit because it sounds too fake if I if I write and why stuff. Right. Well, I mean, especially if you're if you're familiar with with the uh, with the subject matter, like, I mean, me and you would be, you know, you've got a different set of terminology that maybe somebody randomly stumbling across one of the podcasts might not, you know, they they might not know all the terms or, or all the lingo or whatever, you know. You you could say EVP and they they might not know what that is, or you know, I don't know. It's 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 different if you've uh, you know if you're familiar with what you're writing about, and I don't know. I guess sometimes that that might make it seem either too pretentious or maybe maybe just fake. Yeah, I mean, it just there's always there's people everywhere that just completely don't believe in that kind of stuff that are more than willing to to put the people down who do. And to to try to debunk everything. Because, I mean, nothing that happens is completely verifiable in any way. Most of the stuff that happens is just, you know, anecdotal. Like, you know, this happened to me. I just happened. I'm writing it down. Right. And even it's like when I went to um, when I was in Bardstown and I was at the uh, the Talbot Tavern and the guy's drink scooted across the table. How was I supposed to get that on film? I mean, 
Sure. So yeah. After it happened, my camera was out, my phone was out. I was taking, you know, trying to get some pictures and video and stuff. But, I mean, <laughs> the only thing I can do now is just tell people about it. I mean, the only other person that saw it, my wife was there. She saw it. But, I mean, it, it's not like we can go anywhere with it or give it to anyone. And all we can really do is just talk about it and know that we saw what we saw. I mean, that's right. – I guess that's just kind of how it – how it really works anymore yeah and i mean you can't just walk around with the camera out all the time like people expect you know like they say oh this is reoccurring well you should know that it's going to happen at so and so time and just be ready for it right i camera. think a lot of a lot, a lot of what's happening is you know especially now people are watching those ghost hunter shows and you know they've yeah. they've got the pressure on to you know to produce something every episode so something happens every episode even if it's not necessarily real and I think right. people are just so used to seeing something happen that they they expect everybody to be able to catch something on on film. Yeah, and like you know, it's it's not like something happens at like say ten o'clock every right. Tuesday. You know, it's typically not the way it happens. And you know, to catch something, you'd have to record hours of footage. Right. So like say say I think that there's something that's coming around when I sleep. I would record, you know, eight to ten hours, however long I slept. Well, that would also require me the next day to go through eight to ten hours of footage. Right. You know, most people don't have the time for that. You know, people have jobs, people have school. You know, you don't just have time to look through eight hours of possibly right, nothing yeah. every single day until you catch something. Yeah, I've I've thought about. Um doing experiments and stuff like that just you know uh observing dream dreaming stuff and you know just there, there's so many things that you know i've thought about oh wouldn't that be cool to see you know what happens while i sleep you know what if there's something in my house or you know just record an empty room and see if i hear any evps or anything like that but i mean yeah especially for me i have like absolutely no time I mean, I, I've got two jobs now. Uh, I do this podcast every week or every other week. Um, when I'm not working, doing the podcast or spending time with the family, I'm, I'm also writing. And then on top of that, I'm, I'm trying to learn Swedish. So, I mean, sometimes even just, (laughs) even just, um, like like this week, you know, I'm I'm coming off a back injury, so add multiple doctor's visits in between all that stuff. It was I almost didn't have didn't have anything for a show until really last minute when I uh, when I got a hold of you yeah. and said, "Hey, what do you think about reincarnation?" Yeah, I mean, this is something we touched on one of our earlier shows, but that was back when we were doing you know rapid fire like right, ten right. topics, so that that didn't leave a whole bunch of time, but. You know, I mean, I think we've gotten into a good rhythm now with how yeah, we Yeah, definitely. Things. I know, um, I, I remember I, we got a lot of feedback from those, those first few shows. Just like, you, you didn't, didn't talk about this or you didn't talk about that or you, you completely skipped over this whole thing here. And like, yeah, I, I know we, we, we had a lot of stuff to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we could have gone on and made it a three-hour thing, but I doubt anybody right. would have really listened to it. So. 
I, yeah. I get the feeling that you know people have trouble listening to the to the fifty and you know fifty five minute and hour long things that we do, and some of the some of the shorter yeah. stuff like uh, when we just throw out like a twenty minute podcast seems to get a few more hits than like the hour long stuff. But I mean, yeah. I don't know that it seems easier for me to do like an hour long podcast just because you know. It gives us a, a chance to really not just go over the like the cases or the stories that we have, but to actually like discuss what we think about them and you know just different different aspects in general instead of just you know oh that's a thing and that's a thing and that's a thing and then okay we're done yeah right yeah I'll go ahead and uh, and um, okay. I'll get with you soon about ideas for the next one all right all right I'll see you. All right, guys, I want to thank everybody once again for listening, and I'd like to encourage you to go ahead and head over to the blog page, which is wotb.blogspot. Leave us any comments, feedback, questions, or even submit your own experiences if you have them. Also, go ahead and head over to facebook.com slash wotbshow and like our Facebook page. Not only does it help get the word out about us, it also makes us feel warm and fuzzy. So until next time, keep your eyes and your minds open, or you just might miss what's out there.